This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome, welcome in, one and all. It's week three of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I'm joined, as always, by Matthew Tua Double Stacks Betts. Never a doubt in my mind that Tua. Tungavailo is going to win someone a lot of money this, this week. Um, I'm laughing because if you would have told me that last year, I would have laughed at you for saying that. But, dude, holy crap, what a week for two of double stacks. And it's funny because last week we had people asking us, like, you guys always tell people you should stack, you should double stack. Like, people that won a lot of money didn't double stack. And then it's funny because it just flipped. And if you didn't have the two of double stack, you probably didn't win a lot of money this week. So it's kind of funny how that stuff works out week to week. But, yeah, man, honestly, I did not think that was in his range of outcomes. We were very bullish on that game, obviously. But what an insane performance from both quarterbacks in that game. Lamar went nuts and two went nuts. So just from a DFS perspective, from fantasy, just to watch the game, um, literally like the most fun game I've watched in the last two, three years. It was super fun for the podcast. I know you and I, uh, we had a lot of family stuff, I feel like, this weekend. You had a lot of stuff where it was like your kids. Like I had to do a lot of stuff, family stuff this past weekend. And to get so many messages from people that said, thank you for talking about that game ad nauseum last week about Miami and Baltimore. I mean, it was only a 44 total. And we said, hey, just there's some other games that have higher totals, but this is the one we're attacking. This is the one that we talked about in the DFS pass. And it felt good because in GPPs, I basically only had Lamar or Tua. Like that's all I played in tournaments. I played a couple of burrows that fell flat, but uh, it helped me get past some cash losses, which we'll talk about in a second. But, man, we've got so many screenshots from people that said the DFS pass has already paid 60-fold or 100-fold or whatever else, um, getting some awesome screenshots. So any of those stories that were your personal favorites? I mean, the one about the the guy that almost won the Millie. I forget what position he actually came in, but he was a few spots off. And it's funny because when you're in the Millie Maker, like literally .01 matters so much about how much you actually win. It takes the perfect lineup to get there, but um, he was up there. He almost won the whole thing, so that was super fun. But I mean, just uh, Kyle, like I said, like it was a not gonna lie, it was a long week for both of us. Like by Friday, we were both kind of running on fumes. Like Kyle said, family stuff, kid stuff, and um, and I'm just happy that you all had a great week because that energizes me personally. So 
I'm thrilled to see the screenshots, people having a ton of success and loving DFS because that's what this podcast is all about is building community, helping everyone and, um, and seeing everyone have fun and have success. So I'm um, hopefully we can keep it rolling here in week three. I will warn people, <laughs> I yes. doubt yes. we will be on the game the way we were last week. That's kind of like a once or twice a year sort of thing. So don't get overconfident. Don't get over cocky. It was fun, but uh, we love to share that success with you guys. Yeah, be controlled with your bankroll if you had a very, very good week. And I know people that had a bad week, like they weren't on that game enough, and that's totally fine. One of my favorite stories was one of our listeners uh, got second place in the 100K nickel, and that's a three-entry max. I play in that tournament almost every single week. It's pretty pretty great to have a three max. And I had an entry in that one that hit like 230-something. So normally, that's like You're an incredible, incredible <laughs> score, like incredible, but... Everybody was boosted up. We saw a ton of wide receivers hit that 40-plus mark on DK. You needed to have two of Lamar. Uh, anyway, there's lots of different calls, but I really enjoyed seeing that from people. I, I had someone else message that said it was a pretty great, great day. It was almost life-changing, and <laughs> I like that that point. Like I almost won enough money to change my life, but I did win, and it was incredible. But yes, we're still changing lives out there, but let's let's discuss our cash lineups. Straight cash, homie. I got to give you some props, bets because you and I go back and forth all week. It's still our favorite uh, part of this whole process, right? Like, that's our favorite part of playing DFS is this back and forth between you and I. And the last two weeks, the places that I have differed from you have been the parts that have hurt the most. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, Rascal Flat said, what hurts the most is being so close. And <laughs> I was so close. Oh, man. What a day. Anytime you can drop a Rascal Flats lyric on a podcast, you know you're, you're killing it. Um, oh. what's, what's so wild about Cashman is like, you know, one player can really make or break what happens to you. And this week, like we talked about it on the Tuesday show early in the week. And then by Thursday and Friday, we were pretty locked in. Like you're either playing Lance or you're playing Carr because the slate was pretty weak at quarterback. And if you couldn't get up to Lamar, which I thought in GPPs, obviously, in hindsight, but at the time was a great play. In cash, I felt the savings was so strong to go down to one of those two guys. And I had a Trey Lance lineup ready to go Sunday morning, but I kept looking at the weather. And I was like, dude, I don't know. Like They're, they're all, over, all over the map. Maybe there's weather. Maybe there's not. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to get off of him just in case. Like It was so close to me. And so by doing that, I was fortunate enough to actually move up onto Amon Ross St. Brown. So Honestly, I feel like it was a pretty lucky switch to get off of Lance. And if you played Lance, like you probably didn't have a bad lineup. You just got unlucky. And that happens, you know, week after week in the NFL. Injuries happen. Remember a couple years ago, I played Deontay Johnson like two or three weeks in a row because he was seeing like a 30% target share. And then it was like, oh, shoulder. Oh, hamstring. And, you know, you just lose. And that, that happens. So if you played Trey Lance, don't feel bad about it. I still think it was the right play. It's funny because my strongest conviction the entire week, I said it to you over and over and over again. Like, am I too strong on this? It was about Mark Andrews, and I couldn't move off Mark Andrews the whole week because I felt like he was such a strong play at his price and on the slate, like with no other Travis Kelsey there. And it was because of that I didn't move on to Amon Ra because they're at the same price point, and I thought that Andrews could differentiate himself, and he did. So it's interesting that you can actually have a call that feels good, feels right. I mean, he went for, what, 28 you know, DK He was like 108 yards and a touchdown or something like that. He was awesome. He was awesome. But uh, the Trey Lance thing definitely hurt. And we also saw a lot of the chalk fail this week, whether that was Devontae Adams or Saquon Barkley. And 
any takeaways for people? Because I think it was like 70 plus percent of the field in one of my double ups were those two players. So any takeaways for people that like, hey, this looked like a good play. Everybody was on it. We would say that they were a good chalk to eat and they didn't hit. Yeah, I mean, when cash games, like we kind of always talk about, I'm usually not looking to fade those guys that project really well at a good good price tag. Like the the problem is, you know, the field moves with you. So like if you fade them, you know, you might make up a little ground sometimes, but you could get absolutely buried. So in cash games, I'm usually trying to just play the best plays out there. But this is the reason people play GPPs is because the quote unquote best plays or the perceived best plays get so condensed and you see it every week, whether it's the best running back play or the best wide receiver play or this week, the defense, which by the way, we keep telling people and people, there's so much data out there from other groups that do this, that says we are absolutely terrible at identifying how defenses perform in fantasy. Yet week after week after week, we see it. Since he, dude in the Millie was like 43%. I mean, there's an edge in DFS that still exists and it's just to not play the chalk defense. So yeah, I mean, again, in GPPs, I feel like we should be trying to get contrarian. And, you know, nine times out of 10, Tua has a terrible game. Or not terrible game, but doesn't have the game he did, right? And you have to be willing to just take your losses knowing that the wins are there. When they are there, they are massive. So I think it's a good reminder, you know, if you're playing cash, don't be afraid to go into the chalk. But man, in GPPs, like, do not be afraid. Because when you stop being afraid to do those things, you will start winning. And when the chalk fails, you're going to have a huge week. And just remember, we like to tell people, like, there's so many shoulda, woulda, couldas in your lineup of what you could have done. Like, I saw screenshots from people that had, like, yeah, uh, Waddle and Amon Ra, and which is great. But if you had Saquon Barkley in there, if you had the Cincinnati defense, then you're doing yourself a disservice in GPPs because those were plays that we said, hey, this is generally something that you can use against the field. I know Derek Carr was something that you actually on this podcast like kind of came to the realization like maybe he's a bad GPP play. And I would say what you got in cash was enough from Carr but you weren't happy with that. Like we said on this podcast, unless he goes for 303, he's not going to help your lineup. So Carr and Adams, I think, were ways that you could fade and get different in tournaments. I know Waller was something that really helped me to get off that game. Uh, I had a lot of Jacobs too, which he didn't get in the end zone. That, that would have been helpful. But think about your lineups. Think about the way the field is playing. That's why we always talk about roster percentages. That's why our roster percentage report, I think, is so helpful for you to see, hey, here's what people are going to do. How can you use that information? So for defense last week, you know, we were like, hey, the Jaguars are a great option uh, at this price point. Like the Saints like didn't have a great game, but you could have gone there. Like there's other places you could have gone. But the Jaguars on FanDuel, I got a lot of people that said, thank you for telling me to play them. They were a stone men. And I think they were the DST too. I think the Buccaneers were one. I think so, yeah. So you can get all that information in the DFS pass. Like we said, lots of people... They get the DFS pass and it pays for itself tenfold in one week. We would say the way to approach DFS is not just to get picks and to turn around. It's to be able to learn the process yourself. It's the teach someone how to fish metaphor. And I think a lot of people are learning how to play DFS the right way and to think about it long term. We use our optimizer, but we use it really to show us what the field is thinking, what the optimal is, and then we like to hand build our own lineup. So you can get all of that more in the DFS pass. If you use the promo code DFSPOD, you can save 10%. So do that today. But let's talk about the main slate. State of the main slate. We're moving on to week three. And each week, 
We'll be referring to the DraftKings Sportsbook line. It's where Bets and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And let's check in with a wager that you've made. I really just first want to pour one out for a Trey Lance for MVP bets. <sighs> Sad times. I feel terrible for him, the human being. I feel terrible for my best ball investments. <laughs> I feel terrible for that 20 bucks that's now just flushed down the drain. Um, yeah, it's it's over, man. <laughs> Two years in a row, just burning money on Trey Lance. You know, what could go wrong? I've started to write an article about his dynasty outlook. I wrote an article a couple years ago called Trey Lance and his dynasty outcomes. And I might need to rewrite it because there's not a great history of players that are injured at this point. And... You know, we're two years in with a franchise that probably can make the playoffs still and a long road to recovery. So I don't know. What would you do with him in Dynasty asking for a friend? I mean, what can you do, right? Like, unless there's someone in your league that's a truther that like really wants him (laughs) and thinks that like next year, like they're back in, then sure, I guess you could trade him. But I feel like you have to hold him for now, right? I mean, can't sell him on the cheap. Just look at him on my bench for another year and just say wow that was cool what i invested. <laughs> I can't wait to do this all over again in june next year <laughs> so our lamar mvp ones are looking really great uh what's the line at right now yeah we got that um at plus 2200 it is now up to plus 1200 or plus a thousand depending on which book you look at um i still think there's a good reason if, if you haven't already if you have the best of it i think you're done for now but i think there's still time to get in on lamar based off what we've seen um, just with the running back situation, like he is the offense and it rolls through him. So um, that looks great right now, especially if you got that early in the offseason. There's some rookie wide receivers that I've taken some futures stances on that I feel pretty good. Um, Jahan Dotson right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I got it at plus 2,000. He's now in second place. I think Drake London is the easier call, if I had to say. He's just going to get so many counting stats. I did take an over on his receiving yards earlier on. Uh, it was at 764, but his target share and his targets per route run is so strong for the Falcons. Uh, I love it. I also hate it for all my Kyle Pitts, especially in my redraft league. Like I'm just getting murdered with Kyle Pitts stuff. But yep, the, I have him everywhere. So uh, the, this week, I this is the overcorrection week from Arthur Smith. I think. I hope so. I put out a little tweet that said last week the coaches that said, "Hey, we're going to get our players more involved." They did it. That's why. That's the only reason I was on to Raheem Mostert. It's because he was getting the red zone looks the week before, and McDaniel came out and said, I think he's going to be the guy. So I kind of shifted on my take from Chase Edmonds. He did the same thing with Gesicki. Uh, we saw more touches for Damian Pierce, who, spoiler alert, we might actually talk about today in a good light. Uh, okay. Anyway. All right. I'm excited about that. I'm not going to I'm not gonna tell you who it's from, though. It could be from you. Okay. It could be from well, me. I mean, based off the fact that I was surprised by it, I think people know. <laughs> um, but... I think that should be what they should do, but we, you know, we can't assume rational coaching from Arthur Smith and to get one of your best players involved. Like his snap share, his route participation was even better in week two. We loved it in week one. Is there going to be a point where he's just like every metric is humming except for production? At this point, yes. That's that's the way it's trending, unfortunately. So we'll see what Arthur Smith can cook up this week. If you're in a fantasy league that doesn't prize actual production, if it's a snaps league, if it's a hype league, if it's a route participation league, <laughs> Kyle Pitts. I had someone, I had someone actually reply to the tweet that I put out for the week two um, cardio team? all cardio squad. Yes, guys out there playing a bunch of snaps, just running around, not getting targets or any production. And they said they should play in a heart rate 
uh, or beats per minute for your heart rate <laughs> type league. And those guys would just be absolutely killing it. Dude, okay. Maybe we could create a little DFS listener league or something of just really stupid stats that we talk about on the podcast. And so maybe next year we have ones that are, you know, I bet we could find a, a league out there that does routes and does other very like tackle the one yard line. Yes. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Most routes without targets. Those kind of players. Those are the guys, the Chris Conley guys that we always talk about. He would crush. For week three, it is a slate that is much juicier than last week. Last week, we only had one game over the 50 total, and basically all the running backs failed. If you had a build last week that was around those high-priced running backs, so, you know, in cash, I had Saquon, I had Joe Mixon. It's like, oh, that killed me, and there was really no running backs that truly went off. I mean, Nick Chubb was somebody that you and I had in GPPs as one of our picks. Felt really good about that, but outside of that, I mean, Aaron Jones was on the Sunday night game, but it was a pretty low week across the board. You could get 12, 13 points in half-point leagues and have an RB1 performance. This week is a different story. There are a lot of games and a lot of different routes you can go. So give me the 50-point games for week three. Yeah, completely different slate this week. We start at the top, Buffalo and Miami. That is a 53 total. Detroit and Minnesota, I am super excited about that. 52 and a half. And then the Rams and Cardinals. I feel like we talk about the Cardinals every week. Uh, They are 50 and a half. And then Philly, Washington at 50. And then I'll throw out just a... Right below the cusp of 50, uh, KC and Indianapolis, 49.5. That has been bet down a little bit to start the week. I can't wait for us to talk about the game because I think I have a different take than you. I All right. I I'm excited to hear what it is. There has been nothing the first two weeks that says the Colts should be competitive in this game. Nope. Right now, I would take Colts in the points. Uh, what's the spread? Seven? Seven. Yeah. Water bet? Let's, I'll take. Let's, I'll, I'll lay it with the. I'll lay it with the Chiefs. All right, let's do it. Water bet it. Let's see if Kyle has a. Uh, nope, Kyle doesn't even have the drop. Way to go, Kyle. That's okay. I'm learning on the fly. <laughs> um. So, knowing those totals, which teams have the highest team implied totals that we should be chasing those points? Because last week, that's what you wanted to do. The teams that had the tight high team implied total, the Rams, the 49ers, like they came through in a big way. So, who do you want to chase this week? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good to close your eyes and just bet on Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs most weeks. They're at the top, 29.3. Minnesota, which after last night is kind of surprising, 29.3. Uh, Kansas City's at 28.3. The Chargers up there at 27.5. Rams, 27.3. And then Philly right there at 27 points. It's interesting. You just listed three teams that were there on Monday night, and all of their prices were set. We'll talk about those salaries in just a second, but all of their salaries were set before the Monday night game. So Minnesota is priced up across the board based on what they did in week one. And in week one, it was, okay, here's this pass happy offense. This is, you know, they're humming. They destroyed the Packers. Uh, Buffalo, we liked them in week one, but they weren't priced up enough for what they did. We'll, we'll talk about Stefan Diggs. Like his price is relatively low considering we just saw him go nuclear. And I would say the same thing with the Eagles. Great offense in week one. I would say they looked even more efficient and just, I mean, Hertz looked unstoppable on Monday night. So keep that in mind when we're looking at these teams, how their prices were set on FanDuel and DraftKings truly matters. But why do you think Minnesota and Detroit will be among the most popular games? Yeah, I mean, I feel like every week we just talk about the same plays from these teams. And, you know, it's nice because it's relatively concentrated on who you want to target and where the upside lies. And for Detroit, based off what Amon Ross St. Brown has done, not only the last two games, but going back to last year, 
he's going to be popular. You know, he's priced up a little bit, but I think he'll be popular again. And so people are going to want to chase that. You know, DeAndre Swift was limited last week and still looked incredible. So they have two guys that have a huge ceiling. And we just saw the Eagles move the ball on Minnesota with relative ease last night. So I think Detroit is a team that's just always in these shootouts. Their defense is so bad that they have to be there in those shootouts. So those guys make a lot of sense. And then on the Minnesota side, you know, it, it was a down week relatively, but DFS players are not just box score watching anymore. Like a lot of people are getting smarter. And so they're going to know like Justin Jefferson still has the highest ceiling on the slate, arguably Dalvin cook has a big game coming eventually. And we saw it in week one. So it's not like it's completely out of mind sort of thing for them. So that game in a dome makes a ton of sense as a stacking partner this week. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a point where we can look at a team that didn't show out on Monday night and go, Oh wait, we get the Vikings at home and the Vikings at home are a different animal, including Justin Jefferson in 17 games at home. He's averaged 106 yards, nine targets in four career games against the Lions. Dude has gone bananas, 126 yards. So there's lots of reason to like Jefferson. He's still priced up though. Like, do you think if they would have changed the salary, like instead of being 9,300 on DraftKings, he'd be like maybe 9,000? I mean, 9,300 is a lot to pay. That's Cooper Cup level. Yeah, he's the wide receiver too on the slate, you know, on DraftKings. So. You're not getting a discount, which I think hopefully will keep his roster percentage in check, especially because I think we're going to see the same thing as last week where Devontae Adams is staring us in the face at 8,400. And I, I think that's a good tag for Devontae. Obviously, last week was a bit of a bummer. But yeah, I think that price screams stand out. You know, probably can't play him in cash, but GPP target easy in the week. People want me to just roll over and, and die when it comes to Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'm here to oh, talk about done, it. buddy. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let's take things in context, okay? Uh, here's the thing. Dude, this Twitter week, was so great during that game. <laughs> here's, okay. All the mentions. What was my call on him this week? Do you remember? You said, I admit it, he is necessary for this offense, and I think he's a good play. Okay. And uh, in the DFS pass, you talked about the wide receiver cornerback matchup, and he was going to destroy. So to be fair, Kyle has come around on it a little bit, but I, it makes me very happy that people still think that Kyle is stuck behind. <laughs> I mean, there's still some reservations of the draft capital that still sticks in my mind. But yes, like he gets open. He They scheme him to get open because there's times when DJ Chark and Josh Reynolds can't do anything. Like, I, like my DJ Chark love was always for what he was at the ADP. Not so much saying he's going to be a good weekly play. So Amon Ra is going to be a rock the rest of the year. Uh, and he's going to be a super fun play in this one. So I'm excited to talk about that. And yes, people like I can adjust my opinion. It's okay. I'm allowed to, uh, and I can also admit if I'm wrong, but it was good to be able to be on the same page this week and agree that he was a good play, right? <laughs> happy you're here, man. Just happy you're here. And I'm happy it only took two weeks. I know. I know. And I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. The game that I think will be steamed up is Buffalo Miami because what we just saw from Miami, what we just saw from Buffalo on Monday night. Is this game, are people going to be chasing that same thing from Tua? I mean, look, that's probably a game Tua never has again in his entire life. Let's be honest. So can he give you, you know, a 275 and three touchdown game every now and then with those weapons? I mean, absolutely. So I don't think it's necessarily a play that you should shy away from. If the field is on it, though, then it's one of those things you just take a step back and you say, We've seen this play out before. You know, you chase what happened the week before and it doesn't happen. Um, especially because, like, he's not cheap. I mean, two is what, 5,600 or 5,500 last week? I can't remember. And he's all the way above uh, 6K this week. 
more expensive than Tom Brady. So you're not going to get a discount on Tua or his weapons like you were the week before. So what he has to do this week is more than what relative to price he had to do last week. So if the field's on it, honestly, I'll probably try to shy away from it this week. It'll be interesting if Gabe Davis plays. We'll talk about him. He's priced too low relative to his role and to his ceiling. We like this Miami team because of where they throw the ball. Last year, you were getting a lot of these short kind of eight-out routes for Jalen Waddle and not much yak, which he's probably one of the best in the league along with Tyreek. And through two weeks, Tua is tied with Justin Herbert for the league lead in deep targets, intermediate targets, completions. Like he's He's getting it all over the field, which is what you want to see. This Buffalo defense, I do have to take that in context because they played Tennessee, and so their stats are going to look awesome. Ryan Tannehill was so bad, and I just think that we need to rethink what this defense is, and it's in Miami. So lots of different things to look at there, but that's going to be a game I'm excited to watch from a football standpoint. From DFS, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to approach it and how popular it's going to be with roster percentages. Let's take a quick break before we talk about our sneaky games. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Last week, in this section of the podcast bets, we said that our sneaky game would be Miami and Baltimore. We should call that a win, right? Uh, let me check my notes. Yes. I mean, that felt good to go back through the dock and go, okay, so we talked about this all day Tuesday. We talked about it on the pace of play. We talked about it in our picks. We talked about it on Friday's podcast. And then I, even in our DFS best plays, which I think is my favorite article to collaborate with you that on Saturday, we said, Hey, if there's one game that I want you to attack, it's this game. So, uh, stay with us the entire week from Tuesday all the way through our articles, and then even Saturday we get to give those takes. But I'm going to give an unpopular take, and it's all that right, Kansas City indie game. All right? Tell me why you don't like that game first, and I'll tell you why I think it's sneaky. Well, anytime Pat Mahomes is involved on the other side of the ball, you can make the case the opposing offense needs to be pushed, and they will be pushed. But if Michael Pittman is out, or less than 100%, Matt Ryan looks D-U-N done behind that offensive line. His metrics, I know it's only two weeks, and one was without Michael Pittman, are absolutely atrocious. So as seven-point dogs, I'm not sure that they'll be able to ride Jonathan Taylor the way they want to, and we saw real issues with that last week. So if if Michael Pittman's in, I can see it. If he's out, like I'm terrified for the Colts. There's a lot of pieces in this game that I think will go under-rostered. All right, just based on what we've seen. So Juju and MVS, I think are going to be two p- 
piece that nobody wants to play because they. Oh, they were on the cardio team last week. Yeah, and and people are going to say that's what they are. They spread the ball around. It's not going to matter. Okay, so let's say you take out a Justin Watson touchdown and that did go to MVS or Juju, we'd be having a different conversation. I also think that we've seen the bottom of what the Colts have been. Oh yes, (laughs) the worst. Okay, and Jonathan Taylor. It's one of the best spots to play him in a game where nobody wants to, and everyone already thinks this is what the game's going to be. Last year, do you remember, there was a game where Jonathan Taylor was humming already as the RB1, and everyone goes, well, we know that the Bills are way better than the Colts, and that this game's in Buffalo. And nobody played Jonathan Taylor. He went out and had five touchdowns, 200-something yards. He's capable of doing that. So as a GPP play, I think he already sets up really well. I hope Pittman comes back. That'll make things more interesting. And I need to throw out Naeem Hines. 60-plus percent of his touches so far, 60% of them, have been inside the 10 carries or receptions. So he's super involved. Uh, I just think that there's more there than meets the eye. And we've seen history of when the Chiefs are heavily favored. It hasn't gone well, especially against this Colts team a couple years ago. The same thing happened. Also, I looked up the stat. There have been seven times this year where a home team has been a dog by six or more points. They've covered in five of seven so far. So I like the Colts okay. to at least cover. That's why <laughs> I made that, that bet. Now I'm questioning my takes. Yes. <laughs> based yes. off the trends. I mean, what's funny is like what I just said is what the public is going to do, right? The Chiefs are going to get hammered. It's probably going to close at for like sure. minus seven and a half or minus eight. So I don't like that. I'll still take the minus seven just for the fun of it. But yeah, you're right. Whenever the public assumes something's going to happen, Generally, if you do the opposite, you'll lose sometimes, but you also get paid out pretty well. So, I mean, last week I played a bunch of Jonathan Taylor just being like the field's going to be on him at 10%. Like, that's a close your eyes. You just bet on him having a boom week. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But when it does, you get paid off in a massive way. So, again, if no one's playing Jonathan Taylor, I am happy to play him in tournaments. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm not saying to stack Matt Ryan, but I do think that there's options where you can go Mahomes double stack and then bring it back with the Taylor or Pittman. I think that there's enough there. So don't write off this game because of how gross the Colts have been. Give me your sneaky game. I'm going to go with the Chargers and the Jaguars. I kind of like what the Jaguars are doing. You know, they're up in pass rate. They're up in pace with Doug Peterson. And the nice thing about it is they're relatively condensed with kind of where the ball is going, especially in the passing game. So guys like Christian Kirk, I mean, if you wanted to punt with Evan Ingram, like you could do worse. It's terrifying. But you know, you like that aspect of it, of where the ball is going in, ja- in Jacksonville. And then, you know, the Chargers, like, they're going to put up points. I feel relatively confident in that, assuming Justin Herbert is playing and is healthy, which I do think he plays maybe just less than 100%. So we'll see what happens there with the Chargers. But again, if the field is off of that game, we get Keenan Allen back, you know, that kind of opens up more ambiguity on the Chargers. And I always want to take shots on guys like Mike Williams and Austin Eckler. Yeah, I think Eckler is a great buy-low candidate in a lot of formats, but especially in DFS this week, um, I'm very interested. Uh, Game to be underweight on, I put Green Bay and Tampa Bay. And if you told me we were getting a matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady with a 41.5 total, I would say there is something seriously wrong. And my question is, can you play any receiver in this game other than Aaron Jones? (laughs) I don't know, man. I mean... (laughs) We're going to have to see what happens with Tampa because we know Mike Evans is out pending his uh, suspension appeal. But, like, Gaba might be out again. We'll see what happens with Julio. He's probably out. Like, I can't imagine playing Cole Beasley off the street. Like, 
the game opened at 52. That was the look ahead line uh, a week or two ago. And now it's all the way down, like you said, to 41 and a half. I don't think you can play any of them, honestly. We'll talk about the running backs because I think Fournette and Jones project very well from a median standpoint and a points per dollar. So we'll talk about them in salary standouts, but that is a game that has definitely shifted. And Tom Brady is so cheap that it's actually like shocking. It's jarring to see him so cheap, but you can't have any confidence. I mean, Perryman was the one who caught one long bomb, but other than that, it was just a complete failure. If you went after Russell Gage, I, I don't really know what to do. Maybe there's some salary like that opens up and that one of those guys becomes viable as like a punt play, but I, I just don't have any confidence in any of those players. And then on the Packers side, I mean, other than Lazard, it was like all the wide receivers saw a decrease in the routes run, their involvement. Tunyon did nothing. So I, I don't have a lot of confidence in that side either. Yep, I'm with you. And this is kind of what we said like in best ball season. We're like, take A.J. Dillon, grab some Lazard because they'll get touchdowns, grab Aaron Jones, move on. And I think the same is still true three weeks in. All right, so who's your game to be underweight on? Call me crazy, Kyle, but I'm not a huge fan of playing teams that throw the ball 11 times in a game. And I know they're going to come up in their pass rate. They have to. I'm talking about the Bears. But when you're trailing to Aaron Rodgers for two and a half quarters and you still decide, it's not like you're forced to, you decided to throw the ball 11 times with Justin Fields, you can't play any of those players, truthfully, in any format, whether it's Darnell Mooney in redraft or Cole Komet in redraft, like it looks like a disaster. So I'm going to wait to play anything DFS-wise until I see it first with Chicago taking on Houston. We know Houston has their flaws for sure. So outside of maybe a one-off play in that game that we're going to talk about later that you like, um, I am... I'm out on that one. Yeah, the pass rate is not too great. You know, in Houston's flag football team, they throw about twice a game. And your son, you know, which people may not, may not know. They thought, yeah, you're talking about the Texans. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no, my son, Houston, yeah, they throw about two times a game. The completion percentage is still at zero for the season. <laughs> but man, our yards per carry is just hot. It's Love that. just, that's just ground and pound. That's where we're at, flag football. Which team this week? Are you most confident hits the over of their team implied total? Last week, our two choices were I said Miami, you said Washington. Those were both awesome hits. Yeah, I'm going to go with a team that looked awesome in week two. They looked awesome week one. Such a home. They've got PFF's highest graded passing quarterback, which I never thought I would say, and I don't think anyone thought they'd say. It's Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Yes, he is the best graded passer through two weeks. Uh, they're taking on Washington. And if you watch Washington the last two weeks, they're fun for fantasy because they get pushed because their defense is uh, not good. Uh, 28th in total defense DVOA through two weeks. Philly, second in yards per play. I think they can go over their total. So I, I was worried at first looking forward to this game. So I was like, is A.J. Brown okay? I know he had to go to the medical tent. Um, he, apparently, he just had to use the restroom. Just, is just is that right? Pee. I didn't hear that. Yes. Yes, he said he went to the medical tent earlier because he had to use the restroom. He said he gets an IV before the game, and sometimes nature calls. <laughs> so, so he went in the medical tent. He went in the medical tent. So AJ Brown breaking news, dude. AJ Brown is very open about his bowel movements. I feel like he has a lot. Like he oh, talked about Chipotle. Had, I was gonna say he had the Chipotle tweet last year. I respect that AJ Brown. So uh, he's gonna be totally fine. Yeah, I agree. Your Eagles are looking really good. It is a is it a weird spot to be in that you guys are like among the Super Bowl favorites now? I mean, yes and no. Like it's kind of exciting and fun early in the year, but it's not even October, right? So like I don't want to get too ahead of what's happening. 
But at the same time, like the AFC is just Mahomes and, you know, the Bills. Like, can they get two, three rounds into the playoffs? I think so. Can they win the whole Super Bowl? I would be very surprised. This game at Washington is not a gimme. I will say that. Like, Washington's look fine. They look competitive. And those Eagles need to compete with the uh, – because they're tied in first place right now with the Giants, right? 2-0 Giants. Hey, remember that was the team that we said we had to make a pick uh, in the offseason. We said which team that's picking in the top 10 could win their division. And we said the Giants. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> Trotting out wide receiver one, David Sills. Dude, their, their utilization of all their wide receivers is the stupidest thing possible. Richie James who was actually a fine pump play this past week. Like <laughs> who knows what to do with them. They're on Monday night this next week, but I'm going to say the Rams, the Rams on the road at the Cardinals who have been a very poor home team. The Cardinals have, but I think the Rams can hit their team implied total. I think they're a strong play at 27.3 and we want to lean more into the offense. I think it's scarier with the running game to have confidence. I, I know you and I thought that Cam Akers would get more work, but it was more than even I projected. So uh, any thoughts on how that backfield's going to shake up? I mean, I think that they inherently wanted, like, if if they didn't have the Achilles issue and, you know, week one, all that stuff, like, I think they want Cam Akers to be the guy, but clearly he's shown, whether it's his efficiency and injury stuff, that, like, he can't be by himself. So I do think it's going to become a headache by next week, the week after. Like, I could see a true 50-50 split. All right, last one here. Which team are you most confident hits their under of their team implied total last week? We said the Patriots and Seattle, and that both hit as well. I'm going with Colts. I am sticking with this. Matt Ryan, absolutely atrocious. The team is 31st in total DVOA. And granted, yes, there was one game without Michael Pittman, and I don't want to hold that against him too much. But in week one, they had an extra period with overtime. They couldn't put three touchdowns up on the Texans. Bad vibes out of Indy. I think that's the most disappointing performance of the year is them losing or tying the Texans when they should have put that game away. Matt Ryan looked terrible. So, yes, I'm not saying they're going to be great. I just think it's a sneakier game. I'm going to go with the Jaguars. Uh, I think that it's a terrible matchup for them on the road against the Chargers, who their defense is looking really, really good. So I think I'm going to be underweight on Jaguars this week, and I, I'm early on saying that Christian Kirk I think is fine from median standpoint, but I don't love his ceiling this week. Am I crazy? Uh, what's your rationale? Because the metrics are, I mean, some of the I, best I, in football. I, that's what I said. From a medium standpoint, I can say that his targets are looking just fine. But I also think that Trevor Lawrence hasn't seen the pressure that he's going to see. And Trevor Lawrence under pressure is bad. So uh, I will get to look that up and kind of highlight that massive matchup more and more throughout the week. But let's talk about our salary standouts. <laughs> salary standouts there's a lot of plays this week there's a lot of plays that i when i looked at the salaries for both sites i'm interested in but let's start at the quarterback position josh allen and jalen hurts are going to stick out once again hurts especially on fanduel is a crazy value at 8.1 relative to the rest of the field so those two are the easy early leans are you more on the hurt side i think so and i think when you just look at the slate like last week, it was totally different. We just said, if it's not Lamar, which he obviously had a great game, then there's a lot of guys that can beat the other players at quarterback because the field was weak. This week, all the heavy hitters are there. You've got 
Allen, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar, Kyler, Hurts. So I'm going to kind of cheat and just say like my early lean in the week is just to play the cheapest of them, which is Jalen Hurts at 7.6K. Yeah. I mean, three rushing touchdowns through two games. It felt like an outlier that he had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. It might be too low based on the way that they're using him. So, yeah, I think those are the early leans. I like Stafford. I think his price is palatable at 6.5 against the Cardinals, who are one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Jared Goff, if you want to drop even further down at 5.8 in Minnesota, I think is fine. Um, Any other plays that you like? I just want to point this out there. If you think Vegas is wrong and people are just overreacting, then Tom Brady at 6K, if you... Three weeks ago, before the season started, you saw Tom Brady at 6K. You would be trying to jam him into every lineup, right? So if you think people are reacting, I just want to point that that the salary is crazy on DraftKings. That said, I find it hard to believe he gets there <laughs> and and truthfully can beat any other quarterbacks in the slate. Yeah. So Allen and Hurts are going to show up the best. I do want to bring up Kyler on FanDuel because he had been the QB1 in price last week. He somehow, somehow brought that team back. They, they should have lost about five times, I think, against the Raiders. But Kyler at 7.8 is interesting. That game is kind of, I think, going to go under the radar of the Rams and the Cardinals. It's kind of like, hey, we've seen this Cardinals team two weeks in a row on the DFS slate, and they haven't come through. So I feel like Kyler's going to come in a little lower when we know he has the upside to go for 30-plus points and uh, you know rush for a touchdown. Like, So I just want to bring up Kyler on FanDuel. I think he's an interesting GPP play that's going to fall through the cracks. But at running back... There's a couple of names that I did not think I would write down. This is how you know I'm like having an epiphany. But I want to first start off with your boy, Fat Lynn, uh, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, who I don't know if you saw that picture. They they won the game and then yep. afterwards like immediately went back to the facility and got in his workout. I mean, that's your kind of guy as a fantasy PT, right? I mean, just an absolute grinder. Get the Get the dub on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon and you're back in the gym hours later. So you love to see it. He's getting insane usage, and that's what you want to see. And his price is great at 6.5. The Packers have been kind of a run-funnel defense for a couple years that we have attacked. So right now, I, I like Leonard Fournette at that price. At 6.5, it's kind of in that sweet spot. Uh, I'm interested there, but who are some of the elites that you like? Yeah, I love DeAndre Swift this week. Um, you know, last week, even in limited usage, he was still super effective coming off the ankle issue. I think he'll be even more healthy this week. His price didn't really move, still 7.2K, taking on Minnesota. And we've seen, you know, the Packers struggled a little bit just in general. They had decent success running the football in week one. Philly was able to run all over them last night. And I think Swift's combo of pass catching and work on the ground is there that we want to chase in tournaments and honestly in cash games. It'll be interesting in that game because it's kind of easy to project which players are going to have a really high roster percentage, like Swift and Amon Ra and Justin Jefferson. Like those are going to be the guys that people want to attack with. I like Dalvin. I know that so far we haven't seen it yet, but in DFS, we don't care. We're trying to be ahead of the curve. So Dalvin at 7.9, is that more of like, he's going to be more GPP leverage off of people that want to play Swift? I think so. I think, I mean, Anytime you have that big of a discount to go down to Swift, the field will feel more comfortable doing it. And so you could just flip the bill and say, I'm going to pay up for Dalvin and get contrarian with like a DJ Chark in tournaments or something like that. But I think early in the week, I don't feel like Dalvin is a strong cash play at that price. I do think he is going to stand out as a great GPP play. I need to bring this up on FanDuel. It's rare when we see a player priced below 
on FanDuel, what they are on DraftKings. Like, that's when we know there's a major glitch in what's going on. But Aaron Jones is only 7K on FanDuel. He's 7.4 on DraftKings. And I know that's a game that we're not huge on, but we love Aaron Jones. We think that his usage was back to normal this past week. He's just always been insanely efficient. So on FanDuel, I think he's completely mispriced. I think he should be 8K based on what he is. So uh, that's kind of a salary glitch that I wanted to point out. Who are some of the cheapies that stand out to you? Yeah, one injury we have to watch this week, and I think he plays is James Conner, but we'll see what happens um, for the Cardinals. The role is so strong for the Cardinals. Now, when he went out this past week, they kind of split it between Eno and our boy D. Willie, Darrell Williams. But I think it was Williams that got the goal line work, and so we'll see if if Connor's out. I think both guys will be playable. But if we can get some news that says, oh, it's going to be Williams as a starter or Eno, those guys are just so cheap. So we'll have to monitor throughout the week. But at 4.7 for Eno Benjamin and then 5.1 for uh, Darrell Williams, those guys would be really strong plays if we knew Connor was out. It's interesting because in week one, Williams didn't see the field at all. And people were saying, oh, well, we know who the backup is. The insurance back to James Conner is clearly Eno Benjamin. It seems like they don't want Eno to be a guy that handles 20-plus touches. Like, they they don't want right. that. That's not, his, that's not his, his goal. Where D. Willie's always been a bigger back. Like, in Kansas City, he was used pretty effectively last year as a goal line back, as a receiver. Like, he has the skill set, at least the body type, that can hold up. That That's the James Conner role, right? Big dude who's really versatile, can, you know, take on a bunch of different linebackers. Like, that's, that's what his role is. So, maybe... If it's like, if Connor's out, it might be like, I don't know if I could play either. That's kind of my early stance. Sure. I could see that. Hopefully we get news though. That's like, oh, it's Williams is the starter, you know, that kind of thing. All right. So uh, I'm going to say something that I didn't even think I would say on my deathbed, like, uh, you know, at all. But I think, I think Damian Pierce is an okay play this week. With so much confidence. Look at that. I let me I'll lay out the case okay so I've been very against Damian Pierce in best ball was very against him in redraft but in DFS we get to look at it as a one game slate so I can actually block that out hopefully and be able to look at it and say I think that he's an okay play it's a game where we don't want to chase but at 5k there's a lot of interesting things here the Bears have allowed the most rushing yards in the NFL last week he saw 89% of the running back touches and 43% of the team touches. Those are like elite numbers that you won't find. And the Texans aren't really good at being efficient and actually sustaining drives. But this is a game that we don't really care. Like, let's say Damian Pierce runs for 80 yards and gets in the end zone. You'd be pretty happy with that at 5K in cash. Oh, I'd be thrilled. Yeah. So I just want to put him in your player pool. Didn't think you would. And maybe there will be some value that opens up elsewhere. But he's at least somebody I want you to put in your cash pool on DraftKings. Let's move over to wide receiver. And the first thing that I looked at, I looked at it yesterday before the game. But Stephon Diggs at 7.7 is way too cheap. And props to you. You killed it once again in our DFS props uh, package. And you got to actually call on Monday night. Hey, this dude's going to catch over six and a half receptions. And that was very easy to hit. But Stephon Diggs, at that price point, feels like an elite play already. Yeah, and and I mean, that price doesn't really factor in the Gabe Davis situation. So if Gabe Davis, for some reason, doesn't play in this game again, don't even think twice about it. Like, he is a lock in your cash lineup. I see we have Devontae Adams listed in here. It hurts, 
But Devontae did that a couple times last year when we were like, we have to play Devontae. And he would go like six for 60, which, you know, still involved. But he got the granny touchdown, which is what matters, right? Yeah, I mean, the model doesn't love that. You know, it's more of a volume elite type of play. So he got there. Like if you played him in cash, it was fine. You know, at his price, it wasn't great. We'll see if we'll see what happens with the model this week. But one thing I do know is that the Tennessee Titans are not great in the secondary. Cornerback one, Christian Fulton missed last last night's game, and we saw what Steph Diggs did to that team. So anytime Devontae has a, a game where he gets like two or three targets, you know a rebound game is coming where he's going to see eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So I always want to bet on that. And at eight point four K, he's cheaper than he was last week. No brainer for me to to put him in your pool. That's the DFS mindset. You go right back to the player that everyone's like, oh, well, he disappointed me last week. And it goes the opposite, too. If, like, Saquon was somebody who was like, well, we saw what he did last week. He's going to do that again. We need to develop a mindset that says, hey, you can't just copy and paste every single week and expect the same thing. So in the middle tier, we need to pay attention to Mike Williams, depending on Keenan Allen news. But if Keenan Allen's out, he's averaged 18-plus fantasy points per game in his career when Keenan Allen's out. He's interesting. Josh Palmer's interesting at 4.8. Uh, I still like T. Higgins, even if people don't like it, but T. Higgins at 6.1. Like You're getting Jamar Chase usage in terms of targets, but way cheaper. So I think you and I are both still in on T. Higgins. I will never be out on T. Higgins. Just Good. make that clear. <laughs> Good, which means this week he's going like 3 for 30. Yep. Um, Hollywood Brown, third week in a row I'm talking about him, but his <laughs> price keeps going down. At 6K, am I crazy to go back there? I mean, you just chase volume and chase talent. And he saw, what, 12 targets last week? So if you get anything close to 10 at that price, that would be a great play. Yeah, and I'm not saying I would play Hollywood in cash right now, but if that's a game that I want to stack, especially on FanDuel with Kyler being a little cheaper, like I'd stack it that way and just bring it back with Cup. I think it's interesting. Jacoby Myers, I'm just going to say, I think he's going to be one of the top five most popular players wide receivers on the slate, like maybe top three. He's only 5K. I feel like he's going to be the cash play on a PPR site after going nine for 96 this past week. Uh, I can't poke holes in that because it's against the Ravens who just were obliterated. So I think he's safe. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Myers? Pretty much exactly what you said. Fine to get you, you know, six, seven catches for like 70 to 90 yards most weeks, but is he ever going to break the slate? I would be surprised. Yep. That's going to be somebody that you're going to see a difference between people that build cash lineups and GPPs. Now, he's not been a touchdown guy in his career, but let's say he does, then all those people are going to feel very uh, justified. But strong cash play. We really like it. I need to bring up Zay Jones at 4K because that's a game that Bet says is going to be sneaky, and I'm worried a little bit about Christian Kirk. I need to just show some temperance there, but any other names you want to throw out at wide receiver? I mean, you know, every week it's like Brandon Cook's 5.8, 5.9, 6. He doesn't change his price. He's still 5.8 taking on the Bears. We talked about not liking that game, but as one-off plays, we like Pierce and Cooks just from a volume perspective. And, you know, Brandon Cooks last week didn't really pop in the box score. Four catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns, but back-to-back weeks of 12 and 10 targets. And you'll chase that in the 5K range every week. It's playing two Texans. I, I I can't even get myself to do one. I mean, I brought I up play Damian both. Pierce. I would not play I, both. I know. I just, uh, even just seeing Damian Pierce on here is getting me nervous. I don't know why I did that to myself. Um, on FanDuel, I need to just mention Cooper Cup. 
is underpriced on FanDuel. He just really is, and he's on pace for over 200, 2,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. No big deal, right? Eh, just, you know, another another day, another game. He's unreal. Regression's coming, though, right? No. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't. <laughs> when he's 32 that. years old, yes. At tight end, last week we really liked Andrews. Kelsey's 7.9. He's at least interesting on there. What about Kyle Pitts? Because the price keeps going down. 4.8 against Seattle. Are you ready to get hurt again? Bring it on, baby. We're back. I am absolutely going to be playing some Kyle Pitts. I'm not sure if I'll go there and cash. But he is a wide receiver, and he is a talented wide receiver. Now, Arthur Smith is making questionable decisions, to say the least. But when you have a wide receiver, essentially, that's as talented as him at 4.8 against the Seahawks, if the field doesn't want to play it, I am happy to be over the field in that one. I, I'm so biased as a Falcons fan that I want to remove myself. I just want to. I want to look at this and say, I'll go somewhere else. But I believe. I still believe in Kyle Pitts. I don't believe in Arthur Smith. Can I say that out nope. loud? I'm with you on that one. I was I was optimistic when he was brought in as the head coach. I have not been inspired by anything he's done. I'm proud of Mariota. I'm really proud of what he's done. Like, But I also say that I'm proud of us for sticking with the plan, and that's to go under five wins. Like That's, that's what we want, right? It was five yep. and a half. Yeah, whatever. Um, the punt play right now is Kylan Granson at 2.7. If you, if you want to go there, even stronger if Pittman's out. Uh, we usually don't know the punt plays until things open up and there's more opportunity. But 2.7, he's running more routes than Mo Alley Cox. He's probably going to be running a ton of routes if they're losing to the Chiefs. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, in that middle tier, you have Zach Ertz listed on here. I wanted to bring up TJ Hawkinson. He's seen seven targets two weeks in a row. One week, it's coming up. Amon Ra is not catching a touchdown. Is that okay that I say that? Or is that blasphemy? He'll he'll have one. He just won't have two. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, I just think Hawkinson's interesting at 4.2 in a game we want to stack and where Amon Ra is going to be super popular. So needed to bring him up because his role is secure. But, man, he has done nothing, nothing so far. So uh, stay tuned later on the week. We'll give some more tight end takes on things. But let's finish up a defense. Uh, any strong convictions early in the week? I mean, I looked at the very, very bottom range. It wasn't pretty, but at 2.5, I really like the Raiders taking on the Titans. They just lost Taylor Lewan to injury last night. Not sure the severity there. I haven't heard, but just in general, Tennessee is really struggling without A.J. Brown, and that's not surprising um, to get anything going. So I'm happy to take a shot. They've got a good pass rush you know, with, with Crosby there. So I like the Raiders at that price. I also like to be able to pay up a little bit more and be hopefully a bit contrarian. The Packers taking on Tom Brady with arguably the worst weapons in the league right now. I mean, that's crazy to say, but we know that'll be no Mike Evans. Godwin's less than 100%. Julio might not play. Um, the offensive line is in shambles. It's it's a mess in, in Tampa. I need to bring this up because Joe Burrow is taking sacks like, like this. That's his job. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's getting paid to do. He's on pace for 111 sacks. And do we remember that last year these two teams played each other? Right? Cincinnati Bengals, New York Jets. Do you remember the outcome of that game? Did the Jets win? The Jets did win. 34-31. That was the Mike White game where just oh, dump yes. off after dump. Michael Carter had nine catches, 
Ty Johnson had five catches. Crowder had eight catches. I mean, they somehow came back. I think Michael Carter was the RB1 on the week. So it it's a different setup for them, but the Bengals passing offense has not been good at all, and I think that you can get some pass rush. You can get a, a floor if you want for DST. They're only 2.4, so not a high-ceiling play in my opinion, but the Jets, are they better than we think? And we like Flacco, right, for that team? I prefer him there than Zach Wilson for the wide receivers. Um, they've been they've been all right. They're clearly not going to do anything special, but they're competing in games. And I mean, just came back against the Browns, so can't argue with it. Yeah, with defense, we will say this every single week. If there is a popular play that emerges, it's okay to play them in cash, but be willing to get different in GPPs as those things emerge. If you want to play with us, you go to ballersdfs.com, enter our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. Join the league and then enter the contest this week. We have a riveting Thursday night game. Do you know who's on the slate for this Thursday? Yep, and it's my job to write it up in the DFS pass, and I already am very uh, sad to do so. So, yes, let's go win some money on Thursday night between Jacoby Brissett and Mitch Trubisky. It should be riveting 38.5 point total. What could be better than that? So, yeah, go to ballersdfs.com. If you want to play with us, invite your friends. It will be a grand old time. So, bets. It's going to be a good week. I feel I feel some good vibes from the people. Why don't you sign us off? Dude, it's going to be a great week. I am very excited for the week ahead. Lots of content coming out in the DFS Pass, so check it out. Be back on Friday. Have a great week. Listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.